the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. And after they were saved, as perfect as they were because they were my children, each of them had their own needs that had to be dealt with and discipled over time. That's what's going on here. We are to build each other up, to find ways to help each other grow, even the annoying, weaker brother who gets hung up over the word, irregardless. Our goal is to help each other grow in grace. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues with his study through the Book of Romans with a series of messages he's entitled, Changed Relationships with God. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 14. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for because God has welcomed him. What's up? Why are we to welcome one another? Well, the answer is found in verse 3. Let the one who eats not despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him. Look at verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master, Christ, that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld. He will be sustained, preserved in his salvation, for the Lord is able to make him stand. The weaker brother, from whose ever perspective, is a saved brother. Saved, being sanctified, and being rescued by God until the day of salvation. God is his or her judge, not you and I. God has welcomed him, her, into the assembly, into the congregation, and a new believer is going to be rough around the edges. Sanctification, spiritual growth, is a process, not merely a one-time event. And so we need to be slow to despise people for all their idiosyncrasies and baggage. Look again at verse three. It's a command. When you see let in your English Bibles, that, that's a, a command marker. 
Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed. And those he saves, he preserves, right? It is before his own master that stands or falls. Conclusion number two. Moving right along, we come to conclusion number two, and it's this. We are to build up, not tear down one another. We are to build one another up. Where do you see that? You see that in verse 13 and verse 19. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Iron sharpens iron. The thing that they do, the baggage that they bring, the little things they do that irritate you, the immaturity that they sometimes show may be God using them to build you up further and further and further. At the same time, when they come in with their baggage and their weakness and their idiosyncrasy, you, you are called to be one by building one, to men, be their mentor, to be their discipler, to be their helper, not their critic, and not play the Holy Spirit in their lives. You have to be careful. You don't want to put anything in front of a new Christian a maturing Christian, a baby Christian to cause them to stumble or fall. When I had my little girls, when they were still little, I mean, I used to go before them and look for things that were going to trip them up. Yeah, well, we have to do the same thing. What about me trips people up? Lots. I know, I get your email. But no, seriously. So we are to build one another up. Having liberty, too, freedom in Christ, doesn't mean that you flaunt it. It doesn't mean that you wield it carelessly. You wield it carefully. Look at verses 20 and 22. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Theologically, practically, biblically, everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is not good to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Does that mean that you don't eat meat ever? No. Does it mean that you don't drink wine ever? No. It means that if you're with somebody and you know it's going to be a problem, don't do it. If you're in a public place and you're a representative of Jesus Christ, and maybe you're at a vegan convention, that doesn't mean you pull out an In-N-Out burger and scarf that thing down. Sometimes the more mature or the stronger one is identified by what he or she chooses not to do, by how they restrain themselves. They understand that the weaker brother and their veganism or vegetarianism or whatever ism it is, is less sound or just plain wrong to say this is a moral issue this is a doctrinal issue it's not there's nothing wrong with a hot dog but you want to be careful with these weaker brothers and sisters and sometimes we cause people to stumble in our liberty we want to be very very careful now sometimes the weaker brother it turns out to be the stronger brother sometimes people flaunt their liberty And they are reckless with their liberty and it reveals a deeper problem. And and, and Paul deals with this in Galatians 5, 13 through 14. Let me just look at that for a moment. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. Those who abuse their liberty, who abuse their maturity, might be and often are the weaker brother. Paul writes, For you will call to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as self. Sometimes you have these raucous, cage-fighting Christians, we call them. And basically, they say, I have liberty in Christ, so I'm going to drink whenever and wherever I want to. And the glass of wine becomes a cover 
for their alcoholism, for their drunkenness. And sometimes you have the one who wrestles with pornography saying, you know, I can watch any TV show, I can go to any movie I want to, and they use that as a cover for gratifying their sin. So we have to be in a state of constant humility, awareness, and self-examination because sometimes these brothers and sisters who flaunt their liberty are really the weaker brother and it is a, it's a hang-up, it's a, it's a cover for sin. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter 2.16. What does he say? Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, including the weaker brother. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, obey the law, conduct yourself accordingly. Sometimes the weaker brothers are so bound up in stuff, they think they're the stronger brothers, and in their liberty, they really just get carried away. And you know what? Sometimes the weaker brothers are just hung up in all kinds of other silly things, like politics, ideology, and they can't believe that someone who doesn't believe exactly like them is saved. Who, who doesn't believe that somebody, that they can, they can be a brother or a sister to someone who disagrees with them on some of the finer points of economic theory. And they are outspoken, contentious, rough, disruptive, and divisive. Paul is writing against that kind of behavior, against being an internet troll. And other times people get bent out of shape over nothing. And so Paul writes to the church at Rome, to the new Jewish believers, the new Jewish Christians and the new Gentile Christians and the mature in Christ to make, keep the main thing, the main thing, to guard their hearts and their minds with regard to one another. Because everybody has a little baggage. Look at verses 14 through 17 in Romans chapter 14. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. If you think it's wrong to do something, then don't you do it. Verse 15, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. But by, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Live responsibly, think responsibly, act responsibly. Your liberty is limited by your responsibility to God and your neighbor. Our goal is to help each other grow in grace. And so we, when we have a new believer or a believer who hasn't grown like he or she should, we help them, we don't condemn them because they are believers. And just like your children, you know, each of my children learned at a different rate, matured at a different rate, got saved at a different time, and after they were saved, as perfect as they were because they were my children, each of them had their own needs that had to be dealt with and discipled over time. That's what's going on here. We are to build each other up, to find ways to help each other grow, even the annoying, weaker brother who gets hung up over the word irregardless. Our goal is to help each other grow in grace. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're to welcome the weaker brother. We're to help them. How? How do we do that? Well, we've been talking about that already, but let's draw our third conclusion. Conclusion number three, we are to accommodate one another. We are to make reasonable accommodations for their, for their, dis for their spiritual disability within reason, within reason. 
We are to accommodate one another. This goes back to patience and love and understanding. Look at verse, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, the first two verses. Now Paul turns his attention more uh, clearly towards the, the stronger brother. And he says, we who are strong, we who are mature, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And what does he say? Look at verse 2. It's a command. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. What's going on here? This goes back to restricting your liberty. We who are strong have an, ob- uh, an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. The word bear there has to do with maybe bending down and lifting a burden off of a beast of burden or an animal. You have to help them get out from underneath whatever their baggage is. You have to help them grow. It doesn't mean you just let them go off and do what they do. Well, that's your truth and this is my truth. That's not what's going on here. It's not about accepting every wind of doctrine and just compromising your faith. It's about majoring on the majors and monitoring on the minors and understanding that just like on an apple tree, the fruit ripens at different rates of speed depending on how much light and rain it gets and where it is in the tree. The same is true of the weaker brother and the stronger brother has an obligation to bear with them. Let you who are spiritual bear one another's burdens. We owe nothing but to love one another, Romans 13, 8, as God loved us. We owe God, we have an obligation to God to love our neighbor as ourselves, to treat others the way we want to be treated. And if we've got a weakness, we don't want people hammering us for it all the time. We want people addressing us in love and out of concern and helping us get out from underneath that burden. And you would hope that at the most fundamental and basic level that Christians would get this, but we don't sometimes. Sometimes we think it is about meat or it is about drink or it is about this or it is about that and we take our eyes off of the Savior and start looking at the speck that is in one another's eyes and we overlook the log sticking out of our own. And Jesus warned against that. The assumption here is, is that the weaker brother or sister is still growing and that we are to help them grow and that we are to do nothing to hinder them, to cause them to stumble. We balance our love with responsibility. We balance our truth with compassion. Jesus was full of grace and truth. So should we be. And if somebody makes a big deal out of Mother's Day and you think Mother's Day is sin, I had somebody come up to me one time. We recognized the mothers on Mother's Day in a church I was at 15, 20 years ago. Somebody comes up and goes, well, you know what? I'm not a mother. And I feel I feel disrespected. And in my most spiritual thought, I thought, I feel like telling you to get out of my face. No, you know, I mean, but here's the thing, you know, one person regards one day above another. We have to be careful. It's not about us. It's about God and our neighbor. Some people don't celebrate Christmas. Some people get hung up on the word Easter. We say Resurrection Sunday. It's still Easter Sunday. We understand what we believe. Some people don't want anybody to mention the 4th of July, Veterans Day, Memorial Day. You know, I'm like, come on, people. And so Paul says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing is in and of itself unclean. But if your brother is grieved by what you do, you do it, you're no longer walking in love. Now, there's also a warning here. And I'm not going to be able to unpack it all because I'm running out of time attacking a big chunk of scripture like this. But Paul deals with it in Colossians. Write this passage down. Colossians 2, 16 through 23. Colossians 2, 16 through 23. I'm going to hit the highlights on it quickly here. Because at the same time, we do not want to, we want to accommodate the weaker brother. 
the weaker sister, but we do not want to be held hostage by them. And I had somebody say, well, I'm the weaker brother and you all have to accommodate me. I'm like, not when you're in sin, we don't. And so in Colossians 2, where Christ is preeminent, that's the theme of Colossians, it says this, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you on questions of food or drink with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. Let no one disqualify you saying, do not handle, do not touch, do not taste, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to the human precepts and teachings. They indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism, but they are of no values. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you, you make your traditions on a par with Scripture and nullify the law of God. And Jesus declared all foods clean. And Peter, when he went to see Cornelius, right, he had the vision and, the vi- and God said to him, kill and eat. He goes, not so, Lord, I'd never eat these things. He goes, do not call what I have declared clean common. We are not to be held captive. We are to accommodate them. We are to help them grow. We're to build them up. We're to welcome them. But we are not to be held hostage by the weaker brother. We are to be at peace with all people insofar as it depends on us. And there are times where we keep the faith that we have between ourselves and God based on what we can and cannot do. But we never ever allow the legalist or the libertine to impose their misunderstanding of Scripture on us. There are some doctrinal issues that are not for compromise. So please understand what I'm saying. We accommodate them to help them grow, not just to give them a pass. I just want to be clear on that. just want to be very clear on that. All right, when it comes to our fourth conclusion, conclusion number four, what else do we do? We are to rejoice with and for one another in the hope that we have in Christ. We are to look at our weaker brother or weaker sister and rejoice with them for the salvation, for the hope that we have, the hope that is a certainty in Christ. Where do we see that? We see that in Romans 5.13. In Romans 5.13, it says this, May the hope of God fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound, in, in that power you may abound in hope. We are to rejoice with one another. We're not to pick each other apart. We're not to bite and devour one another. We're not to say, you know, if, if Keith could just get over that southern accent, I could be sanctified. You know, we're not to focus on the failings of one another. We're to focus on what we have in Christ together. We are to welcome each other as brothers and sisters before Christ, whom we stand or fail based on the power of God and salvation for all of us. You know, we are to do that. We are to build each other up, the weaker and the stronger, as iron sharpens iron. We are to accommodate one another. We are to rejoice in what we have in Christ. We are to remember it's not about what you drink. It's not about what you eat. It's not about special days or Sabbaths. It's about Christ. What did Paul say? I know nothing but Christ and It's about worship. It's about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, logical service of worship. Not being conformed to this world, not doing to them what they did to you, but doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Transformed by the renewal of your mind as you demonstrate, approve, and seek what is the perfect and acceptable will of God, which is known through his word. Not about being conformed to this world, it's being about conformed to Christ. Always remembering it's not about fiction, myths, traditions, preferences. No, it's about a living hope, a fact that Christ came and died for our sin and he was buried and he rose on the third day and with his resurrection demonstrated his victory, his power over sin, death, and hell and that as many as would believe in him 
who would believe on his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And of children, heirs, co-heirs with him. It's about salvation. It's about salvation. In fact, we read this in Romans 15, 5 through 8. May the God of endurance, may the God of patience and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony, harmony with one another in accord with Christ, in harmony with Christ. We follow each other as we follow Christ. If, we, if Christ is the, is the center here and we're like spokes on a wheel, as we draw closer to Christ, we draw closer to one another and we become more like him and we become more like one another in him. That together you may with one voice glorify God our Father and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We are to be made joyful by what we have in Christ. All of us are different shapes, sizes, weights, colors, ages. We're from different places, different traditions perhaps, different customs, but we are all related by blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. We are believed. And so Paul writes, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Therefore, do not pass judgment. Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to festival or noon or Sabbath. Our faith is bigger than the day of the week or what you ate at dinner last night or whether you had a Merlot or a Sarsaparilla. God has given us tremendous liberty. He has freed us from all sin, but that liberty doesn't come without limits and responsibilities. Never lose sight of that. So to review, what is our blueprint for unity? What is our blueprint for serving God together? One, that we welcome one another, including the weaker and the stronger, welcoming, welcoming each other. We are to build each other up, one another up, for both the weaker and the stronger. We are to accommodate one another's weaknesses. Love covers a multitude of idiosyncrasies. Love covers a multitude of sins. We are to rejoice with one another in the hope that we have in Christ. And that's really part of our be one, bring one, build one, right? We build each other up. We are all works in progress. So how do you apply this when you leave out these doors today? How do you put this into play? Well, here are four suggestions, four suggestions for application. Number one, start with showing patience with others. I got to tell you, that is one of my big challenges. You know, too often I know I don't show enough patience, but truth be told, that's what we're called to do. And in that realm, my impatience would make me the weaker brother under certain situations and circumstances. Not so in others, but that's an area of my weakness. I'm sure you don't have those problems, but some of us do. Number two, take a look at yourself in the mirror that is God's word. Look into the book of Romans and look at yourself and look at your beliefs and examine them in light of scripture. Can you make a case for your preference or your tradition? out of this passage? And can you impose that on somebody else? Is there plenty of scriptural support for your baggage, for your tradition, for your preference? Ask yourself what preferences, baggage, and traditions and prejudices God wants you to get rid of. It is coming Sunday. It is a great day for that. Three, take a look at the other person with whom you differ or with whose behavior you sometimes struggle and decide to welcome them as Christ has welcomed. Determine to invest in their growth and well-being. And discover if they or you really is the problem. Build one. And finally, pursue what makes for peace by promoting harmony among the brothers. Find a way. Look for a way. Figure out a path. Focus on what you have in common, not where you differ. And I just want to remind you, we're not talking about compromising the gospel here. 
We're not talking about compromising biblical truth. We're talking about identifying and excising tradition and preference that really cannot be supported by Scripture. We're talking about finding unity and diversity through humility, through patience, through love, through the lens of Scripture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as sinners saved by grace, weak and strong, strong and weak, young and old, tall and short, thin and not so thin. Father, help us to be one in Christ as we seek to fulfill the great commission in this place where you have all put us. You have raised us up for such a time as to take the word of God to be around us, to live as Christians, enjoying our freedom responsibly, edifying and encouraging one another, admonishing the unruly, helping the weak, and encouraging the faint-hearted, Father. Help us to do them, to do them well. We love well because we love you, because you, by the power of your Spirit, through the wisdom of your Word, are renewing and transforming our minds. We pray these things. We ask the Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. If you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Thank you.